So David was talking a little bit about the fact that we had a brand new um, service that started last night, the traditional worship service. And I was here for that. And when we were doing that, there was a piece of scripture that came to mind that I just want to read this morning because it really kind of struck me. And it's from Isaiah 43. Um, and it says, See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. I am doing a new thing. The world is always presenting us with opportunities to learn and to grow. And the service that we had last night is kind of testimony to that. Um, you know, we went through this time of pandemic and we're still in, in it a little bit. And we were confronted with um, opportunities to grow. Lots of new things that we needed to learn in order to make everything work. And the new service came out of that, um, our ability to do Zoom and all kinds of, of meetings online came out of that. So all these opportunities that life gave us to learn and to grow. And that's important for all of us to continually learn and grow. It's a lifelong process. And so I just wanted to ask you, those of us here today, and you know, maybe even those of you who are at home, how many of you can say you've learned something over the last year, right, hopefully? Hopefully everybody, you know, probably even learned something new over the last week or, you know, the last month and all kinds of different things, whether it's learning more about different people, whether it's learning a new skill or, you know, learning how to do something better, all kinds of opportunities that we've had to learn. Um, as families, with all that's happened over this last year, there's been opportunities to, to learn how to um, remote teach our kids. Uh, in the last service, I had a couple hands that went up really quickly because I know that there's parents in here and teachers in here who had to um, learn how to do that in a different way. And people who were working from home, um, spouses who were working from home, uh, I know that Rick and I learned a lot about each other over the time when he was working from home, the fact that we have very different um, work habits and how do we grow and, and nurture each other and be able to grow into that? And so it was some difficult times. It was some challenging times for all of us. But every single one of them was an opportunity to learn and to grow in relationship, in faith, in knowledge. And all of it made us a little bit better than we were before. It's a quote by Henry Ford that says, anyone who stops learning is old whether at 20 or at 80. Anyone who keeps learning stays young. So I don't know about the rest of you, but I'd rather be on the younger side and not the older side. I want to make sure that I am open to learning. Even as I was talking with Satina this morning about the pancake breakfast that happened yesterday, huge and amazing and wonderful success, but there were things that we learned. You know, we learned that we did it a little bit earlier than we probably should have. Some people weren't ready for it. So just continually we learn and we grow and we do things a little differently. And when we do this breakfast again, we'll do it a little bit better than we did this time. I was thinking about um, yearbooks, you know, high school yearbooks, middle school yearbooks. And kids have a tendency to write, um, you know, you're amazing, you're my best friend, don't ever change. And uh, that was always like an amazing sentiment when you were young. But then you kind of realize, man, that's kind of a sad thing to say to somebody. Don't ever change. Do you really want to be the exact same person that you were when you were 
12 or 14. Um, I know I'm glad that I am hopefully not the same person I was back then and, you know, not even the same person I was at, you know, 20 or 30 and, you know, kind of stop at 30 before I go any further and uh, reveal, reveal how many of those I have um, behind me. So hopefully as we go through each and every day, we learn something new, we change, we grow, we're better than we were the day before. Because as we do that, we give God and God has the opportunity to change us. So as we learn and as we grow, God changes us, makes us into people that are better than we were the time before. So that's what I want to talk about in our message this morning. So our scripture this morning comes from the book of Revelation. We've been following along with that over these past few weeks um, with this series. And so today we're going to be reading from Revelation 2, verses 18 through 29. So if you have a Bible app or you have a Bible with you and you'd like to follow, Revelation 2, 18 through 29. And we've learned over these weeks that these are letters that John wrote to churches, and he wrote them um, as he received revelation from Jesus Christ. So it reads like this. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, The words of the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire, and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your works, your love and faith and service and patient endurance, and that your latter works exceed the first. But I have this against you, that you tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess, and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. Behold, I will throw her into a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her I will throw into great tribulation, unless they repent of her works, and I will strike her children. And all the churches will know that I am he who searches mind and heart, and I will give to each of you according to your works. But to the rest of you in Thyatira, who do not hold this teaching, who have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan, to you I say, I do not lay on you any other burden. Only hold fast what you have until I come. The one who conquers and who keeps my works until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron as when earthen pots are broken in pieces, even as I myself have received authority from the Father. And I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So there's a lot going on in this passage. It's a few things I want to focus on. But just to break down the passage a little bit, I've loved reading these letters over these weeks because they follow a very particular pattern um, that I find helpful as we read and listen and try to understand what these letters are telling us here today. And so these passages start out with saying something about the nature of Jesus, something about God. Like in this one, it says, the words of the Son of God, eyes like a flame of fire, feet like burnished bronze. So it's reminding us that as we read this scripture, as the churches did back then, and as we read it today, that it is spoken with authority. It's the authority of the Son of God. And it's the Son of God who has eyes like a flame. So he's got eyes who see. Eyes that see the things in our heart, eyes that see the things going on in our lives. 
David talked about in the prayer this morning about people who feel like they're invisible. They're not. God sees everything. And he's got feet of burnished bronze, calls to mind the idea of judgment. And we know that at some point we're all going to stand before the Lord um, and have to make an account for our lives. And then it goes on to give us some positive encouragement. This is my favorite part of these letters. It's wonderful to think that, you know, wouldn't it be great if every time somebody had a word of discipline for you, they started with words of encouragement? And that's what these letters do. And in here it says, I know your works. I see your patient endurance. I see that you're doing a wonderful job. I see that your latter works are better than your first. You're doing awesome. I see it. And then there's the proverbial but. You know, you're amazing but. You know, there's got to be something. And so the words of admonition or rebuke, you know, you tolerate that woman Jezebel, Jezebel, the false prophetess of the time. And then, thankfully, we're given a solution. Because we know that our God, the God that we serve, does not point out something in our lives without giving us a way to fix it. Um, that's one of those things we have to listen to, right? He'll never tell us that something's going wrong without revealing to us the way to fix it. And so in this letter, he says to the remnant, hold fast to what you have. So we know that the people in this church, some of them are falling away, some of them are still following the path. And to those people, he's saying, hold fast to what you've got. You're doing great. You're on the right track. And then the result of that is, I will give you authority over the nations. And so what's happening? What's going on in this church of Thyatira? How can we learn and how can we put that into our own lives? And so there's this group of people, the church, um, you know, not a very old church, it's pretty new, and the people there had started and they were following a path and they were learning and they were growing and they were going in a particular direction, but then for whatever reason, their minds started to wander. They stopped listening to the teaching that was bringing them down the straight path and they started listening to this false prophet who was teaching them lies. And they started listening to that. And, you know, we don't really know why, but learning is hard work, and staying focused is hard work. And so perhaps they just started paying a little less attention, directing their minds and their souls and their hearts a little bit less in the way that it should go. And suddenly they just started going with the flow. And that can happen in our own lives, right? I mean, learning is hard. Being focused is hard. Paying attention to things and, and staying on that path can be difficult. And as our minds start to drift away from that, sometimes we can fall into the ways of the world. Sometimes we can just start going down the path of least resistance. And that's what was happening here. And so Jesus is telling the people um, that are still on the right path, stay strong, keep learning, don't fall into that sinkhole. Keep on that path, because we're called to be Christians that grow. We're called to be growing Christians throughout our life, throughout our spiritual journey. We're called to learn and to change and to grow. You know, and even Jesus grew. It says in Luke 2, 52, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. So how do we do this? How do we take this scripture and make it our own. How do we do this that Jesus showed us how to do? How, did, how do we follow this path that Jesus set before us in growing and in learning? 
And as we've done this uh, series over these last few weeks, we know that we need to not overthink it. And sometimes we get caught up in our own heads, right? We get caught up and we try to to just run all these things through our heads and try to figure it out ourselves and, and have these discussions in our mind. And, you know, that can be a dangerous place to be sometimes when you get caught up in your own head and you stop looking outward, right? And so the first thing that we learn that we have to do is we need to learn to ask. We need to learn to ask questions. Makes sense, sounds simple, but we know it's not easy to ask questions. It's really not. It's something that we learn. And you know, they'll say that the only stupid question is the one that you don't ask. And we know that we learn by asking questions, but it's not easy because we feel like we're, we're revealing a weakness in ourselves. We're revealing something about our, our knowledge base. We're revealing that we don't know everything. And you know what? We don't know everything. You know, it's one of those things that I've taught to my kids over the years is that I'm not going to know everything, and you're not going to know everything, but there are people you can ask. And so it's a skill to learn to ask questions. You know, we teach us, we teach our kids that early in school. You know, you think about uh, grades on report cards when they still get, like, participation grades. And, you know, I know for at least some of my own children, it's been, you know, doesn't participate in class, doesn't raise his hand. You know, got to raise your hand. You got to ask questions. If you want to learn, you need to be able to do that. You know, we get to know people by asking questions about their lives. And it's a skill that needs to be learned. And as a mom and also as a dad, you know, we learn that sometimes you have to ask the right questions of your children or of your students. Um, you know, I, I learned this with, with some of my kids who were real champs at this, you know, finding loopholes in whatever question I asked. Uh, I'm sure there's other people out there, I hope, who've had the same experience with their children. You know, you ask them something like, you know, well, did you, did you sneak out last night? No, I didn't sneak out last night. Oh, but somebody saw you at so-and-so's house. Oh, yeah, well, that was at 1 o'clock in the morning. I didn't sneak out at night. I snuck out early in the morning. So, right, you know, you find that little loophole. And it happens with the younger kids, too. You know, did you hit your sister? No, I didn't hit my sister. I'm standing right here. I watched you hit your sister. I didn't hit my sister. And then you rethink it. It's like, okay, then how can I ask this question a little differently? Did any part of your body touch any part of her body? Well, yeah, you know, I guess my foot kind of slipped out and, and kicked him in the back of the leg, but I didn't hit him. Right? I kicked him. So you have to learn to ask the right questions. And, you know, Rick and I work on this with our kids. You know, we have... Most of our kids have uh, moved away, and if we want to keep in touch with them, if we want to find out what's going on in their lives, we need to learn to ask questions. And, um, you know, in full, in full disclosure, I'm better at that than Rick is. Yep, he's raising his hand. Um, and so we work together on it, you know, and I'll be, I'll be coaching him. He'll be talking to one of his daughters. I'm like, ask her this. You know, ask her the next question. Get to know what's going on in her life. Ask a little bit deeper ask. It's important to ask. And it's the same with our faith, right? It's important to ask questions. If we want to learn more about God, if we want to learn more about Scripture, we need to not go in thinking that we know it all. We need to go in with an open mind and realize that the Scripture has so much to teach us if we're open and if we ask questions. There's really two ways of 
going into scripture and of studying it and of trying to figure out what it's saying, one of those ways is called eisegesis. And eisegesis is when you already have an idea in your mind and you're looking through scripture, trying to find scripture to prove your point. So you're going in with a preconceived idea and trying to find things that support what you already think, what you already think you know. And then there's exegesis. And exegesis is going in with an open mind. It's opening up the scripture and waiting for the Holy Spirit to reveal to you what it is that we want, what, what it is that God wants us to learn out of the scripture, looking at it culturally, looking at it from a time perspective. That's the better way to go in to scripture, not coming in with a preconceived idea, but going in with an open mind. But then we also have to remember that the asking of the questions is only the first step. And sometimes we get stuck there. We don't follow through with that. And the next step is listening. How many times do we ask questions? How many times do people ask us questions and they don't really listen to the answer? That's so enervating, isn't it? Um, I think of just just came to me the whole idea of when we ask each other, you know, you pass somebody in the hall and you say, oh, how are you doing? And then you keep walking, right? And have, I, I have to stop myself. I try really hard to stop. If I'm going to put forth the effort to ask somebody how they're doing, I'm going to stop and I'm going to wait and I'm going to listen. You know, or am I just giving them lip service? So you're asking the question and then you're listening to the response. You know, they say we have two ears and one mouth. So we're supposed to listen twice as much as we speak. But that, again, is another skill that um, is something we need to practice. You know, we're so caught up. The world is so caught up in what's going on in our own minds, our own um, agendas, what it is we want to do, where it is we want to go. We get caught up in that. We're thinking about ourselves. We're not stopping and listening to what the other people say. We're not listening to the question being asked. And if we don't listen to the question, we can't give a good answer. And so Megan Figlioli, our children's ministry director, is doing a uh, children's message today. And she had some questions that she was going to ask the kids, just a little exercise in listening. So I'm going to ask them to you. Um, I won't tell you which ones I got right and which ones I got wrong. Um, so I'll ask you, you guys can answer and see what you think. So the first question is, if it takes 20 minutes to boil one egg, how many minutes does it take to boil two? 40, some people say 40, it's 20. If you've got one egg in the pot, you've got two eggs in the pot, still only 20 minutes. The next question, a farmer has 15 sheep and all but nine of them die. How many are left? Excellent, nine. But a lot of people are thinking in their heads, 15, nine, 15 minus nine, what is that? Um, they start thinking about the answer before listening to the rest of the question. And then this is Pastor Stan's favorite. Um, how do you spell spot? S-P-O-T. What do you do at a green light? How many of you actually stop at a green light? Right? What do we do at a green light? We go, right? Um, so if we're getting, it, it, we're just not listening fully. And that was the one I got wrong, truth be told. I got that one wrong. Um, because we're not really listening. We're not taking the time to listen to the whole question. And um, when that happens, we have to remember, we have to pause. We need to think through 
what the question is. We need to think through what the response is. And if we start finding ourselves frustrated, chances are it's because we're not listening fully. Um, we have a tendency to um, think of what our response is going to be before the question is completely out there. I had a teacher, I went to a Catholic school when I was in elementary and middle school, and my sixth grade teacher, her name was uh, Sister Gertrude Elizabeth, and to this day I still remember some of the lessons she taught me. And one of the lessons she taught me was that we're not to raise our hands when somebody else is speaking. So when the teacher was giving a lesson, when she was giving a lesson, whenever we raised our hands, she'd tell us, put your hand down, because when your hand is raised, you're thinking about what you want to say. You're thinking about what you want to ask. You're not listening to the person who's doing the speaking. So that's always really stuck with me. And so the question for us as Christians, as children of God, do we approach prayer like that? Do we remember that when we pray to God, that prayer is a two-way street? We're asking, we're presenting, we're, we're asking for help, we're, we're asking for peace, we're asking for comfort, um, we're asking him to point out areas in our life that need improvement. And like I said earlier, God doesn't stay silent. God tells us, God speaks back to us in however way, whatever way he speaks to each and every one of you. But when we take the time to stop and to, to listen, to sit quietly with God, to sit quietly with our prayers, and to listen, what is God saying back to us? Where is God guiding us? Where is he telling us to go? So we need to listen. You know, there's a lot of talk about active listening, effective listening, making eye contact, um, going in with an open mind, not, um, not going, going into the question, uh, trying to um, put in your answer, not trying to fix everything, in other words, right? When you're listening to somebody else talk to you not thinking about how you would fix the problem, but really just listening. And that's one of the biggest things that we need to learn, and we have a great program in our church called Be the Bridge. Um, hopefully you've heard about it. It's our program of racial reconciliation, and we've got about 50 people who have gone through the program so far. We're in our third round of classes. And one of the biggest things that we have witnessed and that we have learned as we've gone through this program is that through discussion, through open and honest conversation, we start to learn to see the world through the eyes of somebody else. We stop talking and we listen to other people's experience of the world. And as we do that, as we listen to their opinions, as we listen to their experiences, we learn and we grow. And we've seen it. Alona and I have seen it countless times in the classes, there's, there's a certain point in there, you know, give or take a lesson or two, where we can literally see like scales falling from people's eyes. And that look of realization like, ooh, I, I get it. I'm listening. I hear you. And I'm seeing a little bit more about what your world looks like. Because so often we jump to conclusions about other people, and that happens because we don't listen. And doing that is one of the greatest dividers among people in our nation, in our church, in our families, in our towns, wherever it happens to be, jumping to conclusions about people without listening. 
And so as we ask these questions and as we listen, we learn. We learn about other people and then we grow, right? We ask, we learn, we listen, we grow. We grow in knowledge, we grow in faith, we grow in relationship, we grow in spirituality. We advance and we move forward. We become better than we were the day before. There's a lot of talk um, in the educational uh, community about growth mindset. You know, over the last couple of years, we've talked a lot about growth mindset. And the whole idea of growth mindset is, you know, trying to train ourselves because it's not just students, it's also adults. We train ourselves to understand that we all have the capacity to learn and to grow. And just because you don't know something now, we say we don't know it yet. There is a capacity to learn and grow. And I work at an elementary school, and I work with a kindergarten class for part of the day, and we had a new student that came in uh, maybe about 10 days or so ago. And all the other kids in kindergarten had been there, and we have a great playground, and there's this rope swing. And it takes some time to learn, especially when you're a little person. You climb up on the, on the tires, and you hold on, and you wrap your legs around, and you swing. And I remember those kindergartners at the beginning of the year, they would hold on and they would fall. They would grab on and they would slip. It took them time to learn and to figure out how to do it. And so here comes this new little boy, and he's watching everybody else do it, and he climbs up there full of confidence, and he holds on, and he slips right down. And he gets frustrated. And then he'll go off and do something else. He'll come back and he'll try again. And then he gets so upset with himself and says, I can't do it. I'm never going to be able to do it. And I'm like, yes, you will. You can't do it now. You can't do it yet. But you'll be able to do it. Your friends couldn't do it, but now they'll be able to do it. So in 1 Corinthians, we read, Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. And then I'll put in the word, yet. You're still not ready yet, because we all have the capacity to ask questions, to listen, to learn, and to grow, and to know a little bit more today than we knew yesterday, because we don't want to remain infants in our faith. We want to keep growing and learning and, and following that path of spiritual maturity. We don't want to stay where we were any more than we want to stay the people we were at 12 or 15 or 22. We want to keep growing. Uh, St. John of the Cross. He was a medieval uh, reformer and a mystic. He was a Spanish Catholic priest. And he wrote about the difference between the early days of a new convert and the, the road of obedience that you have to follow during your spiritual life, down your spiritual path. And he talks about the fact that when you're a new convert, when you first become a believer, that God gives you like this this passion and this desire and this strong um, desire to follow and to learn and to keep growing. But it kind of fades over time. We can't maintain that level of emotion all the way through. Um, he called it, or somebody in there called it, a spiritual starter pack. And it's not like that's removed from us, but that strong emotion does fade as we go through time. But that's not a bad thing. Because instead of relying on that emotion that we get at first, we start to have the opportunity to deepen our relationship with God. 
we have an opportunity to seek Christ in deeper ways, to ask questions and to learn, and not to just rely on that, that big burst of emotion that comes at the very beginning. And so we have a chance to build this deep and this dependable faith that's based on something other than the changing of our emotions, based on something deeper, our knowledge and our faith and our deepening relationship with him. You know, there are people who spend their whole lives, who've grown up in the church and who have never really opened up scripture, never really looked at it, studied it, read it. And then there are other people who come in and they just start that right away. They start that um, deepening of their relationship with Jesus right away. They begin to grow. When I first came here to this church, when it was still called Plymouth United Methodist Church, I came with a background of, you know, some Catholic school, a little bit of church, a little bit from my parents, um, but not a whole lot of knowledge. And so I came, and I had to let that stuff kind of fade away, and I joined a faith group, and I asked questions. So if you're not in a faith group, I am the biggest proponent of faith groups that there is. They're the most important, I feel, way to learn and grow in your faith because you've got people who are new and people who have been there a while, so many strong women and men of faith that you can ask questions of. And as I did that and as I learned and as I learned to open up scripture and read, I started my path towards becoming a pastor. And then as I continued with that, I ended up going I'm in seminary class. So that lifelong need to learn, that lifelong pull to learn, because that's what we're called to do. We're called to be growing Christians. And so today I just challenge you, let's not grow lazy in our faith. Let's not grow lazy in our relationship with Jesus. Let's not grow lazy in our relationship with our spouse, with our family, with our friends. Let's stay inquisitive. Let's stay inquisitive about the world. Let's stay inquisitive about God. Let's push ourselves to ask a little bit more, to dig a little bit deeper, and to allow God to change us as we do that. Because as we soak up all the lessons that God has for us, God changes us. And like it said in the scripture, that faithful remnant in the church of Thyatira, our latter works exceed our first. We got better day by day. Our walk today is a little bit better than it was yesterday. C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity writes, Our faith is not a matter of our hearing what Christ said long ago and trying to carry it out. The real Son of God is at your side. Every time I read that, it just amazes me. The real Son of God is at your side. Do we remember that? He's walking with us. The Spirit of the living God has been given to us when we became believers, and resides inside us all the time, just waiting to teach us, just waiting to deepen our relationship. It's at our side. He is beginning to turn you into the same kind of thing as himself. He is beginning, so to speak, to inject his kind of life and thought, his life, into you. So what this is saying is that God is trying to change you. He is trying to change you, and he's trying to change me, and he's doing that through the people in our lives. He's doing that through faith groups. He's doing that through scripture, because as we grow, we change. And so let's work on asking the right questions. Let's make sure that we're listening, that we listen to the people that God puts in our lives, that we listen to God himself as we read scripture and as we pray. And God is going to make us a little bit better than we were yesterday. So let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, we just are so grateful and humbled by your presence. We are humbled by the knowledge that you walk beside us, that your spirit, your living spirit, is in each and every one of us. Please help us to listen. Help us to ask the right questions and help us to listen so that you can guide us down the path that you have set before us. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.